It's my privilege to fill in for uh, Brother Tim today. Uh, in case you don't know me, or might be a, a guest today. My name is Warren Weeks. I'm the Minister of Education and Administration here at the church, and uh, glad to uh, uh, preach this morning. Two things before we begin, though. One is I want to welcome Cafe. Uh, you, uh, some of you, most of y'all know me, but maybe the few of you don't. Uh, I'm the guy that's you see the back of my head in the lower left of your screen every Sunday, and <laughs> so you might recognize me more like this. But just so that we all know one another. Also, uh, uh, if you have any questions or comments about today's sermon, please send those to Tim Harris at woodburnbaptist.org. <laughs> Tim will be back in the office on Tuesday, and he'll be glad to get back with you just as soon as possible. Today's sermon is entitled, you've seen your bulletin, The Mind of Christ, or as the New Living Translation says, The Attitude of, of, of Christ. And so this uh, uh, morning, I want to start with talking about what is an attitude, a lot of times we think of attitude as being something negative. You probably have said to your kids or had said to you when you were a kid, you better change your attitude or, you know, don't come in here with that attitude or, you know, that person has a, a, a bad attitude. And so we always uh, kind of talk about it in, in that sense. But what we're really saying is your behavior is reflective of the fact that you have a wrong attitude. So let's uh, look at the uh, first slide this morning. It's kind of a it is a definition of the word attitude. It says, attitude is a settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something that is reflected in one's behavior. Read that with me again one more time. It says, attitude is a settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something that is reflected in one's behavior. And so we understand from that that uh, what it means is our behavior is reflective of our attitude, how we, how we view others and how we see them is reflected in uh, our behavior. Uh, so this mind of Christ or the attitude of Christ is trying to encourage us to think about uh, how we uh, look at others and how we see them. And Paul uh, in, in today's uh, scripture gives us a great way to do that and gives us a process because we all want better relationships in our life. We want better relationships with our family, uh, better relationships with, uh, in our home, at work, or at school, or the difficult people in our life. We really don't, our goal is not just to have bad relationships. Our goal is to improve those relationships, and Paul tells us how to do that. So if you'll turn in your Bible to Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 18, or maybe on your phone, if you're using a pew Bible, you can find that on page 900 or page 708, depending on which version you have there in the pew in front of you. But while you're turning, I want to give you just a little background. Paul is writing this uh, letter to the church at uh, Philippi, and we know from reading it, he's not trying to uh, uh, correct any false teaching that might be in the church, or he's not trying to correct any problem. He's just writing a letter to encourage Christians in the Christian life and they're facing persecution. Now, Paul's writing this from prison, so he is being persecuted himself. So what Paul says to you and me is not just some cliches or some things he's heard or, you know, those kind of things. It's really, uh, you know, he's living this life himself, and so he's writing uh, to us uh, to think about that in that way. Also, uh, I encourage you to, uh, let's think about as we uh, prepared to read this, also to hear it like it was written. Paul is writing a letter, and for those uh, who are younger than me, which seems like everyone anymore, but uh, uh, you know, we used to write letters. We take paper and write stuff, fold it up, put it in an envelope, and mail it. And uh, and so uh, Paul, in his day, would write uh, 
a letter or have somebody write it out for them. And he didn't have a mail system, but he'd have it personally delivered. So the church is getting this letter and they're hanging on every word. They're excited to get it. I wonder what Paul is saying to us. So kind of in maybe a more modern context for us is just imagine that we've all been to summer camp. And so there was a camp pastor there and maybe we made a decision to trust Christ as Savior, or maybe we made a decision that we're going to try to uh, come home and live a better life or, or grow in our discipleship. And so now uh, you've come home, and so two weeks later, you get this letter from the camp pastor, and he's trying to say, you know, how's it going? You know, you made some commitments. Are, are, are you growing in your faith? Or, or how's that, how, how are you doing? I just want to encourage you. And so let's read that uh, with that in mind this morning. Philippians chapter 2, verses uh, 1 through 18. Paul begins with, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Leave clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain, but that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, and I will share your joy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just ask today, Lord, that you speak to us through your word. Lord, we all come uh, to worship this morning, uh, having lived through different circumstances and different environments during the week. Well, Lord, we come uh, together today to uh, hear a word from you and pray, Lord, you'll speak to our hearts uh, this uh, day as we uh, think about these words from the Apostle Paul written so many years ago, but Lord, so applicable to our lives today and the situations we find ourselves. In thy name we pray, amen. I don't know if you've ever heard of the, the concept, the standard of care. Uh, the standard of care is defined as a degree of caution and concern and ordinary prudent and rational person would use in a similar circumstance. Standards of care are different for every uh, profession. There's standards of care for the medical field, standards of care for the legal world, standards of care 
in engineering and really standards of care for every profession. And uh, sometimes there's standards of care we don't even realize that are, that are out there, but you know, certain expectations are expected in, in, in every situation of life. You probably saw the video uh, recently or heard about it on the news of the doctor in Atlanta who was, uh, became famous on YouTube for dancing around and, uh, and uh, singing during her surgeries while her patients were under anesthesia. I was uh, reading the article about that, and uh, the article said that, uh, you know, they took her license away, and it said because she did not meet the standard uh, of care. And uh, I don't know that much about the medical field, but obviously singing and dancing during surgery is not, uh, is not uh, uh, meets, meets the standard of care. Uh, Paul is telling us that in, uh, that in all of his letters, that the standard by which we measure our Christian life is Jesus my men's group who uh, meets on Tuesday mornings, uh, we've been uh, reading through the New Testament together. And so we're in this middle of uh, reading through Paul's letters like, uh, right now. So we get, about, we get through about one every week. And so uh, as we're going through there, we, you know, after getting several uh, uh, completed there, we talked about the fact that uh, Paul always says the standard is Christ, uh, you know, when he's trying to uh, talk about uh, uh, a problem there in the church where he's trying to talk about some false teaching he's trying to correct. He always goes back to the standard as Christ. And so we see that uh, here as well, that uh, Paul is uh, telling us uh, that, that, that Jesus is the standard here for living the Christian life. But he begins in verse 1 with some questions. He says, uh, is there any encouragement for belonging to Christ? Answers, yes. Any comfort from his love? Answers, Yes. Any fellowship together in the spirit? We'd have to say, yes, Paul. The answer is yes. And then he says, are your hearts tender and compassionate? And we would say, sometimes, because it's, uh, it's, it's difficult. Uh, you know, Paul uh, uh, gave us three questions there, and I, I think he, the answer should be all the time, uh, uh, yes, but uh, Paul is trying to really uh, answer uh, one question, and that is, has Christ made any difference in your life? So he's trying to encourage uh, those that, that live uh, in, in, in their environment, that they should, uh, uh, di- Christ should make some difference in their life. Uh, Paul, your Christian life, Jesus should change the way you live. And so he tells us to, to be humble, think of others first, and consider their needs. That sounds easy, uh, but it's not. It's difficult, it's, it's hard, because we want to put our, ourselves first. Again, going back to my uh, uh, men's group on Tuesday morning, Mark Riggenbach is our, is our leader, and Mark has all these sayings. We kind of call them Markisms. But uh, he, uh, I remember one from several months ago, Mark said, you know, he said, the greatest obstacle to us growing in our discipleship is a four-letter word called self. And so we all, that always gets in the way of us uh, growing, always gets us away of, of, of taking uh, the, the next step. And so, uh, but uh, Paul tells us we can change our attitude and therefore take on this mind of Christ and have a better relationship with those that are in our lives. In verses 6 through 11, Paul uh, gives, tells us that the standard is Christ, but also it was an early Christian hymn. It was, uh, we read those words and it's not, we don't say, ah, immediately, you know, I know, uh, know that song or know the tune, but uh, it was familiar to the church there. It was an early, early hymn that they were familiar with, and so they understood what Paul was saying there. But in that song, though, we see the gospel. Paul is uh, telling us the essence of who Christ is and what his mission was and what he uh, hoped to accomplish. But that brings us uh, to our uh, 
uh, first point here is why is Jesus the standard? What's so special about him that makes him the standard? And the first reason is because anyone or anything we put in the place of Jesus as a standard always disappoints. I was meeting with Tim a, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I was, uh, we were talking, uh, and he just said, you know, how's your week been? I said, well, it's kind of been disappointing week. And he said, well, why is that? I said, well, uh, I said, I just don't really understand what's going on with ministers these days. I said, you know, three guys that I really admired and thought a lot about, you know, I just read where uh, they lost their ministries just overnight for something they did they knew was wrong. And I said, it really hurts because I said, you know, I, I, I really like those guys. I, you know, I thought, you know, I, I wish I could be them, have the influence that they had and uh, I, I did what they did because I felt like they were uh, good examples of, of who... Uh, we should be like his disciples of Christ. And I was, I was uh, almost as I said that, I was thinking, you know, uh, we shouldn't put our faith and our trust in others. We should have put our faith and trust in Christ, and he's our example. And so uh, that's what I thought would, would be best with the first point today. Jesus is the standard because anything or anyone we put in the place of Jesus is a standard always uh, disappoints us. So uh, the encouragement today is don't put your... Uh, don't use me as an example. Don't use Brother Tim as an example. Don't use anybody's example. Look to Christ. Anything you see that's good in us, it's because uh, of him. Second point is that Jesus shows us a process of how to put others first. And I think that's what Paul is telling us today. It's not just, uh, it's not just we could just, uh, you know, I could just tell you to put others first. And we could pray and we just all go out here and, and live and all our relationships would be better. Paul knows that's not the case. He tells us there's a process to do that. And the first thing is that Jesus had uh, the right outlook. And this is Paul's point that Jesus was different because he looked at people differently than you and I do. Uh, we need to have the same love as Christ had and value the same thing. And the thing that made Jesus different was he put uh, people above things and above self. And so his outlook was completely different uh, from ours. And as I thought about that and, and preparing for today, I thought about, you know, how does Jesus look at you and me? You know, uh, this is kind of, I guess, our, our perspective from here on earth. You know, we look down, we see Jesus probably looking down at us and he looks down and he sees, you know, there's Warren Weeks. He said, that guy is doing something wrong all the time. You know, <laughs> uh, what? Well, you know, what did, what did I do in, in, in making him? You know, but I, God doesn't look at us that way. He looks down and he says, you know, there's Warren Weeks. He's a sinner. He needs a Savior and he needs unconditional love. And, you know, uh, and if, if I, you know, uh, doing that and, and, and Lord uh, speaks to him uh, and he looks at us that way. And he looks at us uh, when we're lost. Uh, you know, he looks at us as somebody who needs a Savior and needs, uh, needs uh, that love. Once we've trusted Christ as Savior, he looks at us the same way, and he expects us to continue to, to grow. But he has the right outlook when he sees uh, uh, you and me. And I hope that you're better at, at this than I am because it's hard. But this is where it begins. Paul says we have to begin somewhere, so let's begin with the right outlook. If you look at uh, uh, the next slide here, we can't love some we don't, someone we do not see as special. And so when we think about that, if we don't see others as special as, as God's creation in need of, uh, of our love and his love, then it's difficult for, for us to uh, uh, give them worth and value. The second, uh, uh, so Jesus not only had the right outlook, uh, the second point is that uh, uh, Jesus had humility. 
Jesus was uh, uh, humble. He was, uh, uh, verse 6 says that he was with God and was God according uh, to that verse there. And to leave heaven and, and come to earth demonstrates great humility. We sometimes gloss over that fact that Jesus left heaven to come to earth. But let's just think about what heaven would, would be like. Uh, no pain, uh, no sickness, uh, you know, all, all those things that we think out. You know, per, it was and is a perfect place. Uh, streets of gold, whatever, you know, we want to fill, fill in the blank there, what we think heaven is like. You know, uh, what if, that, if you were there and that was your assignment to come to earth and, you know, and, and you're, you knew that your mission was going to end in your sacrificial death on the cross because these people needed a Savior. It takes great humility to come and, and, and to uh, live that. And I think the, the second demon, that's one demonstration of humility. The second demonstration of humility is to come and live your life from the point of conception on, you know, to 33 years later, you know. Uh, it had been easy for Jesus to say, hey, I'll just come down. I'll be 30 years old. I'll get that things straightened out and go back. You know, Jesus came and lived his entire life, and that gives us great hope and great comfort because, you know, uh, when we pray and think, well, God doesn't understand uh, the struggles I have as a teenager. God doesn't understand this or God doesn't understand that. He does because he lived uh, the life, and that's different because uh, if you're like me, I'm always thinking about what if I could, what if I could go back and relive uh, my life, you know. We never think, I'm going to go back to birth and, and relive it again. We always think, well, I'll just go back to high school. Or I'll just go back to that decision I made younger. I'll, I'll just go back and change that, uh, that aspect of my life. And we, what we never think of going back and trying to uh, live it over again, I think it's an example of Jesus uh, showing us uh, uh, great humility. Uh, so what, what motivates a person to do that is, is, is definitely love and a willingness to humble himself and put others first. Before the New Testament, though, uh, being humble was uh, always had a negative connotation. It usually meant you were a slave or under some sort of oppression, so you humbled yourself under the rule of others. You humbled yourself under the rule of a, maybe another nation or a conquering uh, people and so humility was always something that, that was considered negative, not something that was considered uh, a positive. And so Jesus brought new light to that in saying, you know, we need to humble ourselves in order to uh, be uh, that and and to be a service to others. Uh, I looked up a, a definition of humility, and it says humility is defined as the freedom from pride or arrogance. And I was kind of surprised by that definition because I never thought of that before, but really that might be the key for our understanding of that is there's this great freedom in being humble, uh, great freedom from uh, being pride, prideful, great freedom from being arrogant, and uh, great freedom uh, found in that. Maybe that's the key for, for you and I understanding that. But how do we uh, show humility? Uh, Richard Mellick in his... Uh, Bi- not biography, his commentary on the uh, book of uh, uh, Philippians said, humility begins with a realistic appraisal of oneself and others as being in the image of God. Let's think about that one more time. Humility begins with a realistic appraisal of oneself and others as being in the image of God. It's a significant definition because I think, you know, we have to look at who we are and if we understand who we are, then we can look at and see who others uh, are as well. We have to see ourselves as being a, a God's creation and that God uh, loved us. And so that's our motivation then for seeing others in the same way. 
not only did Jesus uh, have the right outlook, he had the uh, uh, had humility, but also Jesus shows us consideration. Uh, Christ uh, died for us, even though he had no good reason to do so. Romans chapter five, verse eight says, "But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners." But it begins though with the proper outlook, and then we humble ourselves. But it is uh, this putting into practice when we consider others. And so in Paul's process, we have to change our mind and our thoughts. And then we have to be willing to humble ourselves. But then when we get to the point of considering others, our faith is put into practice in, in, a, in a practical way as we step out and, and do that. Uh, but then what is the results of putting this into practice? He said, for Christ, uh, who is our example, what happened to him? It says he was exalted uh, and in heaven. He was exalted, his name above uh, all names and uh, at the end, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But Paul goes on in the other verses to say, you know, that we need to work out our salvation. So salvation is, is work for you and me. It's a work in progress. We have to, uh, uh, as he said later, pick up our cross daily. But we have to die to self daily. We have to continue to, uh, to do that. Uh, so we need to come consistently evaluate our outlook, our humility, and our consideration. I used to be an engineer before I became a minister, and one of my jobs in the engineering lab where I worked was to be the keeper of the gold standard. And uh, uh, we worked in uh, cable TV equipment business, and so everything was 75 ohms. And I realize that doesn't mean anything to you, but we had a, a 75 ohm standard we kept. And this wasn't an exalted position at the engineering lab. I, I was trying to think about the other day how I got that position. I think it was because my boss said, we need to get a 75-ohm standard to calibrate our equipment with. Warren, why don't you order that? So I ordered it, and it came in, so it just stayed in my desk. And so when anybody needed to calibrate their equipment, they would come, and I would open the drawer and take the little wooden box out, open it up, and hand them that, and they would bring it back when, the, when they were done. And so it was a standard we used and uh, uh, to calibrate all of our equipment with. And so when we would design something new, we would uh, uh, always uh, need the approval of our boss, and he was a great guy. He was our engineering manager, and he'd come, and he'd look at the piece of equipment that we had designed, and we would be ready to show him, have him uh, look and observe uh, what it looked like, how it operated on the screen. And he would look at that, and he'd say, well, you know, uh, if it was good, he'd say, well, you know, this, you've designed everything and it meets all the specifications we designed for, e- either what he told us to do or what marketing told us they needed this product to do. And so he w- we always sought uh, uh, his approval for we could take uh, the next step in that process. And so he would ask some questions and look at stuff and everything. And then he would, uh, then his, his last question is always the same. I never forget. He says, you know, is this machine calibrated to the standard? And so what he was asking us was, I see your product and how it performs, and I can see that on the screen, but I want to know if what I'm seeing is real. Is, is this machine calibrated to the standard by which uh, we've uh, established that? And so I think when Paul is telling uh, you and I, uh, he's asking us, is Jesus our standard? If he is, then we can calibrate our life and see where we need to change 
see what relationships need work in our life and how we can get there and how we can focus and how we can change our outlook from self to others. Andy Stanley uh, summed it up best. He said there's one question we need to ask ourselves in in every uh, area of our life when we're confronted with situations where we have the opportunity to do one thing or the other. He says we need to ask ourselves the question, uh, what does love require of me? And I thought about that, and I, I thought, you know, this is what Paul is telling us here. When we ask ourselves the question, what does love require of me, what, what do we have uh, uh, to offer? Well, I think we have to offer, we have the uh, opportunity then to change our outlook, opportunity to humble ourselves, and the opportunity to consider others uh, better uh, than ourselves. And so I just encourage you, as, uh, as you go into your world next week, maybe uh, after July 4th weekend, you've been off and, and uh, not, not had to work every day, or maybe you've been off since Wednesday, I don't know, but Monday morning's coming when we've got to go back to work. Monday morning's coming when we've got to face uh, those difficult uh, uh, situations, or, or maybe uh, even we've got to make some choices in our life. And so we have to ask ourselves, uh, then, uh, what, uh, what does love require of me? How can I act differently? And so I just encourage you to, to think about, you know, the one thing I can do is I can change my outlook, I can humble myself, and I can consider others better than myself. And I can uh, tell you today that you do that, everything in your world's going to change. I can't, I can't promise that, and I'd be wrong if I did. But I can promise that uh, it might not change the world around you, but it'll change you. And I think, you know, if we want our world to change, we have to change us. And that's the message uh, from Paul today. So we think about uh, the invitation uh, today. It's kind of a simple one. How are you going to apply uh, Paul's principles found in the Bible today in your life? What situations or relationships do you face where you need the attitude of Christ? The invitation today is also for those who maybe uh, if not yet trusted Christ as Savior. Paul tells us uh, uh, the gospel in these verses that we read today uh, about the life and, of, of Christ and his mission and what he was uh, hoping to accomplish and what he accomplished for us. But also Romans ten nine tells us that if we're willing to uh, give our life to Jesus by believing in his sacrificial death on the cross and that God raised him from the dead, then we can be saved from the consequences of our sin and go to heaven when we die. And so the question uh, for you today is, if you don't know Christ as Savior, uh, do you want that today? Whatever your decision is today, I invite you to come forward uh, after our prayer. Uh, You can come and talk to me or one of our deacons down here. We'll pray with you and also uh, realize you don't have to come forward to make a decision today, but it would be great if uh, we had the opportunity to pray with you or, or maybe celebrate your decision uh, today. And so I encourage you uh, to think about that. If you're watching uh, this uh, by video, maybe at a later date or listen to it on podcast, we just, uh, this invitation this morning is not just for all of us here in the room, it's for you as well. And so we encourage you to uh, consider the claims of Christ upon your life. And we'd like to uh, know about that and help you in your decision to Uh, trust Christ as Savior, and we encourage you to contact us through our church website, or you can email me directly at warrenweeks at woodburnbaptist.org, and we'd be glad to uh, get back with you. Let's pray. 
Dear Jesus, we come before you today, first of all, to say thank you for being our standard, for being perfect in every way, perfect in your love and your humility and looking down uh, from heaven uh, and seeing us as sinners yet loving us anyway. Lord, we pray that you help us do the same. And Lord, there may be some here today uh, also who don't know you as Savior or Lord. Help them, Lord, to pray the prayer of salvation by saying, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died on the cross for me and was raised from the dead by God. I want to give my life to you. God, help those that need to pray uh, that prayer today. And we pray uh, also for your spirit to continue uh, your work in each of us now. Lord, as we face the challenges of the next week, Lord, we have difficult relationships in our families and, Lord, sometimes in our own homes and Lord, sometimes at work or school or, or wherever we find ourselves, uh, uh, Lord, we have those in our lives that uh, need your love and, Lord, uh, need us to show them that. Lord, we realize we constantly live in a world that doesn't want to hear our uh, message of, uh, of salvation and love and grace, but, Lord, they'll hear it if they see it demonstrated to them each and every day by our words and our actions. And, Lord, we pray you help us uh, this day to take Paul's words to heart and apply them to our lives. Lord, help us to change our outlook. Lord, help us to humble ourselves and help us to consider others better than ourselves. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.